All right, diary listeners. So uh, I'm going to call this podcast Tables. And uh, I'm, I'm going to first share the podcast recording that I or the little snippet that I did in my car first before I continue with the rest of the show. But this is this diary entry is going to be called Tables. And uh, here's why. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. starting this podcast here I started ranting in my car like I usually do and I realized I made an agreement with myself that I wouldn't just rant in my car without recording it and sharing with you guys the ramble jams that go in my head so this week I actually visited another person's church that I know a friend of mine my friend George um I met George through um a fellow co-worker who used to be our front-end person at Tattooed Heart Studios. And at Tattooed Heart, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of at the height of my tattooing prowess, I guess you would say. Like, I was really getting elite. People were like, like, I was hearing from friends of mine that I was kind of a minor celebrity because there were people who wanted to get in with me and because they didn't have a personal connection, they were finding it really hard. And so I, I, I had just come back from a guest visit to Powerline Tattoo Studio in, in Cranston, Rhode Island. And I had gone to this antique mall that they have there, by the way, Cranston, well, all of Rhode Island, which is very small, it's Cranston, or Cranston is teeny, but freaking Rhode Island is a small state, like, you can be across the whole thing in no time, and that's a lot coming from somebody who's a Marylander, Maryland, if we're long, we're not huge, we're just, we're just long, and we have lots of different, uh, I guess, geological landscapes, I, I don't know what you call it. But anyway, we, I, I visited, getting back on track, I visited a, um, an antique mall. Now, when I go to places that I don't live, I, I roam around. Like, I, it might not be what most people consider a vacation, but it is for me. I like going, and I kind of like sourcing somebody's, how, how they live, you know, like what, what their rhythm is, and kind of get a sense of it. And Rhode Island, like I was saying, is a place where you can find man, mad antiques. There are lots of great, great antique spots. So I, I was in Rhode Island, and I went to this antique mall. And at the time, they had everything. Um, they even had, like, a, a stuffed lion, like a full-body lion, which wasn't as pretty as the zebra head that that they had there and I was just like 
flabbergasted by the zebra head. And the zebra head cost, I think it was $3,000. And I was like, Jiminy Crickets. Like, that, that is a lot of money to put on a head. Like, and, and then I'm thinking, and it's so, it was so well preserved. It looked like a zebra was like looking through the wall. Like it looked alive. The zebra head was so pretty. So I was thinking about it and I was also thinking about the fact that it was in an antique store and, you know, I, I actually talked to the front end person at the antique store and I was like, wow, you know, this, this zebra head is gorgeous. And she's like, yeah, it's really hard for us to move taxidermy actually because, you know, we have people that are so much about game hunting and whether or not it's okay. And I said, well, I mean, it's not I was like, first of all, it's not like we have zebra, like, free roaming around the United States. It's not like you can just get a zebra head. Like, it's... <laughs> and she's like, yeah, and on top of this, it's an antique spot, so it's not like this thing was killed within the century. It didn't even really occur to me, but, like, this zebra head not only was so beautifully, beautifully taxidermied, but it was so well-preserved that I was like, it was totally worth, it was totally worth the 3000 And it was also, um, you know, at a time in our history when, you know, like the, the whole, the whole way that we approach things was different. It's like a slice of history, you know, like a lot of the rules and a lot of the attitudes that we have now towards game hunting, um, were founded in that time of, of, you know, when the zebra was killed and when it was mounted and everything. And there, you know, a lot of the reasons why we have more shackles on that and more observance of how wrong it is, is because of times like that, where it was just a lot more prevalent. But, you know, in my mind, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't kill the animal. I can just appreciate the the thing it is now. It's just so beautiful and all the different steps that took for it to get there and to be like that. And it was just, it was just stunning. So that was a long story about the zebra head, but it's very pivotal as to why I went to a different church today and let me tell you why. I came back from Rhode Island and I was all hopped up. I was like, "You know what?" I want a zebra head. And I told Bryce, my friend at work, the front end person, I said, Bryce, I want a zebra head. I really, really would love to have one. Maybe I can, maybe I can trade a tattoo for a zebra head. And he was like, well, my friend George, he's been wanting to get tattooed by you for a really long time. And he probably can get you a zebra head. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty certain that if that'll get him in front of you and that's what you need to get in front of you, he'll get you a zebra head. And I said, I will straight up tattoo whatever your friend George wants for a zebra head. And he was like, all right. So within like, within like the day, Bryce had communicated this to George. He had, I'm now home, by the way, so I'm just going to sit here for a second because the last time I did this, it cut me off and I was talking to myself and not recording anything for forever. So I'm just going to keep recording and, 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 you know, 
I'll, I'll end this when it feels organic and when I, I guess, start feeling guilty about running my car at, at a standstill. Which, by the way, does burn more fuel, guys. So not, not an economic thing. But I'm doing a lot of gestures today that are not the usual for me. So there you go that. Um, so, yeah. So within the day, Bryce had contacted George. George had gotten back to him. He had ferreted out where there was a zebra head locally. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't as pristine, not nearly as pristine, as the zebra head that I had seen in Rhode Island. Um, and I can't imagine it was anywhere near the cost of it. Um, but it didn't matter cause it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, you know, apples to apples thing. It wasn't like I was trading money for this or that we were doing a normal business exchange. This was just purely me putting something out there in the world and seeing what would come back. And, you know, ask and you shall be given, you know, like that kind of thing, which by the way, I actually did find in Luke today at church. Um, it wasn't pointed out in the sermon, but I read past what the sermon was talking about because I actually attended two services today. Um, so I wanted to spend time with my friends and they don't have as long and drawn out as a church thing as I do. And their church is way different, which I'll talk about more later, I guess. Um, but I, I was trading this, the zebra for a tattoo and I was really kind of open to whatever, you know, like whatever. And George like arrived, it was like the first time I'm like really, really meeting George and his family. And before this, I don't think that he was even married or if he was, he was newly married to his wife, Nikki. They're married now and, and they actually like have two kids and have another on the way. So that's super dope. Say your prayers and blessings to Nikki and George because they're a lovely family. But he shows up with this huge box. I mean, I don't know what I expected, but like, you know, when you see a zebra head, and this is not even that big of a zebra, it wasn't as big as the one, again, in Rhode Island, nor is nice and pristine. And actually now he's got like a crack in the side of his face. And I'm pretty certain that this is a Georgina, not a George, but I called it George. Um, cause I always name my, my taxidermy that has faces. I never do the skeletons and stuff because I feel like they're, they're not, they don't, they are what they are, right? Like they're, they're a skeletal structure. It's the bones, you know, like the spirit that is, is in something kind of comes through either via the skin or it comes through via how the artist takes the skin and puts it to the mold and shapes the whole thing. So my, my, my zebra was a little bit more like janky to say the least. I still love it because mine kind of looks like it's smiling and it's, it's very beautiful. And I do feel like it was, uh, it is, I don't know. I, I feel like it was a female. I don't know why I feel that way. Um, it's still a zebra head. And so I did get a zebra head as per my request. And, um, and I actually got it from a cool spot. George picked it up from this place in Baltimore called Bazaar, which 
is an oddity shop that I didn't really know about, and I and I'm scared to visit because I know I'm not going to be able to leave there without spending some serious money. It's like going to any bookstore for me. That's like a death trap or art store. Like I can dump I can dump money in an art store or bookstore in a moment and not even think. I mean, it's so much easier than I can anywhere. And I'm addicted to food, guys. Like I could spend money that I'm meant to eat feasibly on a head like on, on, on a non-edible head so so that's that's me um it's completely irrational my love of art is like beyond beyond um and just cool stuff like this so needless to say that's how I met George and that's how I got to know George is that we spent many hours tattooing his thigh and it was this underwater scene and it was very beautiful and I really I really love George and Nikki and I um you know we never really got too close um I really didn't know them I only really knew what I heard of them through Bryce um, but it was always positive and it was always very sweet and, um, you know, they just struck me as people that you, you'd have to hunt to criticize them. Like you'd have to hunt for something, which, you know, in the grand sense of compassion and compassionate people, that's kind of how it is with them is that they don't even give you that, that juicy, snarky, you know, gossipy stuff that you kind of want to get from people at times when you're like so sick of your own crap that you want to hear about somebody else's drama you like you don't get that from George and Nikki because at least that I have experienced because they're kind of annoyingly awesome (laughs) if if they ever listen to this I hope they can they can see that as the compliment that it is it's just that they're they're just really good people and you would you would, I mean, I don't know them well enough to know the critiques, but you would struggle to find a critique, you know? And, yeah, I mean, I could, I could find a critique in anybody if I was really being nasty. In fact, that's what I prayed for today is like, please, God, keep my heart soft. Please make me a little less critical when it's like vicious and catty, because I have that in my heart. Like, I, I'm always looking for a reason to like put something down and I'm, I know I get it honest and I know it comes from a place of being screwed and really having reason to believe that way about others, but it's, you know, it's, it's not a good lead. Um, it's a good lead for me. It's not a good lead for anyone else. And it's just, if anything, you know, sit on it myself longer so that I can I can digest it and maybe feel it out, feel the validity for myself before I speak it. You know, God, please, if, if I could have a prayer. But yeah, so I I was sitting in my car and I was just just thinking about you know what. what 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 transpired to get me here what what are um differences between my church and george's church and um 
don't know, like all the things that have happened to me in, in the years since we've met each other. I mean, clearly with George, he was, like I said, I think they were engaged. I don't even think they were married yet. I think they were engaged. Um, so that was, that was before his kids. And I think, I think his oldest, she looked like she was like, I'd say five. So, you know, we're talking, we're talking some years. Um, she might even be older than that. And she might even be like six or seven. I'm not sure. She was so cute. Um, she, she had a lot of George in her. Um, but anyway, I've had the zebra head my, my entire time since. And I called it George. And so George has always been with me. And whenever somebody would notice the zebra head, they were like, oh, my God, there's a zebra head. Like, that's so unique. People don't have zebra heads. And I'm like, I know. And let me tell you about how I got my zebra head, because that's even more unique. And I just, the whole sermon today was very powerful. It was very different. And the critic in me started to criticize it at first, I'll admit. But the message was really good. And it was all about crossing the table. Tables is like the theme. And it was basically the the meals of Jesus and how Jesus was all about sitting down with people and crossing the table and exchanging with somebody that you might not feel like you have a lot in common with, but at the end of the day, you might find more common ground than you find differences. In my experience with people, that has always been the case. Um, I've always seen more commonality than I have differences. Uh, It's actually... It's a very forced thing for me to find the differences, and I note them, but I don't think that they're relevant for as a reason to stay clear of someone. And I've really had to work hard, hard, hard on my boundaries when it comes to suffering things that don't serve me. And... Um, You know, that's kind of the opposite problem, right? Like, as a follower of Christ, you're supposed to suffer things that don't serve you purposely, you know, perfectly or with purpose, I guess. You're supposed to, you're supposed to put yourself in alignment with a lot of lost souls. And as the pastor, I believe his name was John today said, Pastor John uh, said, You know, they didn't create doctors for healthy people. Doctors minister and serve sick people. And it's the same. You know, it's the same with anybody who is a follower of Christ. You have to administer your service to those really, really in need. And that's the point of service, right? Fulfilling a need. And to me, that's the point of true entrepreneurship, too, is that you, you feel you feel this internal need, but you also feel like this, this, uh, this, this gap in what you perceive in life that 
demands kind of your being to rise up and fill that gap. And we're all called to serve in some way. And I really do feel like the despondency that people have in this world right now is that they're losing hope, they're losing a sense of meaning and belonging and and all of that. And they're really not able to see what they can do or where they can serve. And I think that that's a good place to kind of pause for a second, meditate on. I'll probably break this up with some kind of commercial or something crazy, but (laughs) pause for a second because I'm going to stop my car and stop this recording and go inside and record a podcast at full length. I figured this was a nice little car rant that, by the way, was nothing like the rant that I had prior to this car. Maybe I'll get back onto that point if I can feel that energy again. But that's how it is, guys. Like, I just, I just, I just spitball. Like, I just go from the hip, literally. And I guess figuratively, that wouldn't be literally, because I don't know if it comes from my hip so much as my diaphragm and, like, my, my weird mind. But anyway, I'm rambling. Meet you after this brief interlude. Okay. Part of the mission of this podcast is to share really awesome people with all of you. So go check out Eden Health. This is my friend John Simmons' company. Through it, he does acupuncture, nutrition, microneedling, light therapy, but it doesn't stop there, everyone. (laughs) Like, it's... He's, he's a wealth of knowledge, and I welcome all of you to meet him, go talk to him, reach out to him. You can find him at EdenHealthMD.com. Back to our podcast. All right, so you get kind of a sense of what's going on there. Uh, to continue, I, I want to pause for a second because yesterday was September 11th. And I had a really great day um, as as we just left my little commercial for Mr. John Simmons. I actually recorded a podcast with John yesterday and um, and he ended the podcast probably the best that I've I've ever heard anybody end a podcast. But it was in remembrance of September 11th, which I completely blanked on and have the benefit of being reminded, (laughs) we'll never forget, but I did, uh, be reminded of the potency of that day. Um, And that's per my friend, John. And it's just one of many, many reasons why he's in my life. He's such a a potent figure at this point and so healing for me. And uh, that's just one of many ways. So Next week, look forward to hearing my friend John. Uh, I, I can't account for how the audio was. It, it seemed it seemed like it had moments of dodginess, so expect something that was a little more raw because I went on location, and when you do that, you're not in a, in a recording bubble. I remember, <laughs> this is a segue, hard. I remember when I was first... Uh, at Tattooed Heart Studios, my my former boss, John, he, uh, another John, lots of Johns, uh, 
you know, uh, my my boss, he he got really into there was all these apps like there. I think there was like these auto tune apps that you could you could <laughs> you could use. And uh, John thought it was really cool. So he would go into our dirty room, which is basically where you clean all of the reusable gear that like, you know, your tubes and uh, things like that, that, that you would tattoo from, from a traditional tattoo setup. And there was an autoclave and all this stuff and a dirty sink and you call it the dirty room. Well, he would go in the dirty room. And if we were ever too loud, he would like scream outside and and he'd be like, I'm, I'm recording. I'm in the booth. I'm in the recording booth. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what, brought up the whole thing you know I I told John I there was a a point when we sat down that we were going to sit down at his dining room table and we did but the uh the air conditioning would pump on and it would be very loud and not for nothing I mean he dropped or he raised the temperature in the house to make it a little warmer and um and it didn't help the the situation it was a relatively hot day yesterday so the the air conditioning would kick on intermittently throughout our podcast recording but well you know whatever you guys are used to the deal I mean at this point you've kind of felt out and journeyed with me in a lot of different ways through a lot of different material um which is another segue, actually. I was listening to Matt Walsh's podcast recently, and um, they they changed a lot about his podcast. Which you know, whatever. I I think you gotta you gotta have fun. You gotta change it up here and there. Um, but they they changed the intro to his show, and <laughs> I have to admit, I I am pretty attached to the old one. But it that's kind of what I love about Matt Walsh is that it's it's like this. You know, it's like anything, right? Like you, you kind of, you you get a feel for what you're into and, um, you know, it's your brand of something and you're, you're kind of stuck on it. And, uh, you know, I think as human beings, we resist change. So the new intro is fine on Matt Walsh's show. It actually, it kind of probes a, an, an insider kind of knowledge about him. He, he has a banjo on his wall. I don't know if he actually plays at all, but you know, like it, it's speculatory as to whether or not he plays a banjo. So, you know, you, you're, you kind of get the, they kind of added that spinoff to the whole feel that is the Matt Wall show. And, you know, I, as an artist, as a creative, I, I appreciate the change. Um, but the reason why it kind of came to my mind in terms of this show is that he had to, at one point, defend um, this this change up. Because, of course, whenever you change something in, in a very crafted, formulaic show and, and you do that to people, there's always going to be somebody who complains about the change, you know, like, because people don't like change and they become very... They become very stuck on things. And a lot of creatives, especially within entertainment, from what I've understood, is that they'll even preface their shows by saying, hey, you know, 
just so you know, I'm, I'm going to play some new stuff first. And then afterwards, I'm going to leave a little bit of time for you guys to shout out requests. And I'm going to take requests from the audience. And it even goes as far as that in comedy, too. Like, I've heard comedians now say that. <laughs> I mean, do you think that you hear a joke once and it's just going to hit? But, like, it, it you do get very addicted to how people craft craft their art it's it becomes stylistic and um you know I again getting back to this show I feel like I haven't given you guys any kind of baseline to count on this show has changed so many times that if you're still here you're definitely somebody with a much more wild uh palette for being all over the place and never really counting on on anything, you know, kind of managing your expectations uh, and, you know, kind of coming for that that particular, oh, that's what's going on today kind of thing. Uh, and it's all very um, organic as far as I'm concerned. I want you guys to know that that uh, the 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 mere the mere truth of that is that i have just continually played with this medium it's all very organic and um just experimental and uh and I, i'm just shooting from the hip and showing you guys how you do that i guess and just embrace the inadequacies of of a lack of consistency i suppose um so, September 11th, um, uh, I appreciate very much so the sacrifices of the people who charged into those buildings, not knowing what would befall them, the ones that lost their lives, but also the people who didn't, the people who continue to live uh, and, and have to grapple with the horror every single day and move on with their families, despite knowing what they know about, about all of that. And, um, it's very current today too, because you have, you know, people of the same kind of, the same kind of service to our, our lives as people, uh, doing that, that continued work in places like Maui right now, where you have natural disasters and, and these people who have to, heavily take on the burden of of what you know of, of of just natural disasters like that or disaster of any kind and what they psychologically have to suffer for the people who were working in the buildings that lost their lives you know i i i do remember where i was in in 9-11 times when it when it occurred I was sitting in a illustration class in college and um somebody rolled in one of those tvs that were like on stilts that that were on wheels you know like they did in the old days and they actually had that and um and and they just turned it on they were like oh my god this is happening you know like this is live and we all watched as the second plane ran into things and then students jumped up because a few of them were from New York. And, um, you know, we were hearing about it all in real time. So 
you know, I, I, I didn't ever hear about whether or not anybody that I went to class with actually had people that were close by or working in those buildings or God forbid lost anybody. But for the people who did, you know, God knows those families have to live past this and they really can't forget what happened because, you know, they were so personally affected by, by what, what occurred. So for that tragedy, I, I hope to give this, this bit of a moment of the podcast in just remembrance and praise God for John Simmons, who helped me remember, isn't he awesome? So to continue with what I was saying in my car and kind of this whole idea of tables, uh, I was constantly asked at George's church, like what, what my church was like. And, um, it's very different, very, very different, um, it's, uh, it's a lot smaller. It's very personal. And, um, you know, it's like a country church setting on private property. And, you know, you kind of don't know unless you know somebody who goes. And um, it's very biblical. Very, very girded by the word of God, directly the Bible. And so it was... Uh, you know, like I, like I said in, in the forwarding recording, uh, in my car, I, I really did appreciate the sermon. I thought it was very nice. I, I, um, I, I, I believe that it was a good thing to point out. I didn't have any history for that church. And I can honestly admit to everybody that my, my critical mind uh, waged war with my ability to fully convict myself of what was being said, uh, you know, because I didn't have any history with this church. And, and I can't, I can't honestly say that in my heart when I was first experiencing the sermon, cause I stayed for two services. So I didn't really take it in for myself, I think fully until the second one. But the first, um, the first service, I was sitting there and I was just thinking, you know, they're, they're citing, I believe it was Luke, um, chapter 10, verse 25 and on. And like I said, it was the story of the Good Samaritan and, the church itself was promoting this idea of outreach, I think, to people who might not know about Christ. And, um, but I, I, knowing my church and knowing why I went to my church and, and in my heart understanding, of course, my own story, I just kept thinking, wow, I wonder if this church closed during COVID. I wonder if this church in, in the most meaning mosaic in this most pivotal time in our history for worship and for human beings to come together and not be afraid and to exhibit faith. I wonder if this church 
convicted its its goers to show up and be present and to worship together in despite all things because honestly that's what I love about my church uh, cornerstone is that we I mean I I feel like it's it's like Christ I feel like we we exhibit everything that Christ would would kind of be like yeah man you get it you know like you're you're getting it and um you know part of being a faith follower is uh kind of being a rebel you know it's it's kind of going past reason uh, at times and doing what you know in your heart of heart that you can't fully explain that it takes that level of deep convicted courage and faith to actually do and know that it's the right thing um you have to go against what the government or the law or whatever sanctions you to do because the highest law is God's law. And, um, you know, when it came down to COVID, all of the law, and I don't know if most people know this, but there is so much law breaking that happened. First of all, like our, our state, Maryland, our governor cannot suspend the Maryland Constitution. That's not within his power to suspend that it's it's the very thing that he took an oath to protect as a governor he swore to uh, us as his people as his constituents to follow the letter of the law the law of the land is the constitution the law of the state of maryland is the maryland constitution that constitution was written with an understanding and abidance to our national, our, our, our United States constitution. But like, for example, you know, a federal mandate is not for regular citizens, people. You'd have to understand what law is to understand how it applies to you. If you're a government worker, if you work for the federal government, then it would apply to you, but not as an average citizen. And as far as, like, I guess the edicts of what government-run buildings would be, that would be something that that maybe governs you if it came down from the president. But the president can't order ordinary citizens to do that. And then it became this whole special interest thing to which companies who have very specific agendas for what they're pushing with their narratives and with their campaigns and wanting to make certain money and their influence into politics, they all followed a very particular, you know, suit of, of things that, that really, really, really hurt people. And it was such a massive, massive move that in my heart, I just, I, I really can't, you know, I last podcast, I said, I can't understand people who don't believe in God. I equally can't understand people who did not see that massive, massive play on people when it came down to, um, 
what was happening during COVID and what was so blatantly obvious. I, I have to imagine that they were so, so locked up into whatever life they were living and with whatever extenuating circumstances that they had or whatever kind of predisposed fears or things were happening in their life that set them to make the choices that they make I made I had compassion I mean and and I guess getting you know looping back around to how I felt about mosaic it's taken me a long time to find forgiveness for that and not be a bad Christian I guess and cast that kind of judgment on somebody else's choice you know the fact of the matter is I need to convict myself in my own heart And, um, you know, so it was really hard for me to, in one service, take it in and be unjudgmental. I can, I can fully admit that. Um, but I saw the value and the beauty in the church, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to, it's, this is a stunning, stunning church. And also I, I caught it on a, on a different kind of day, uh, because, it was their fall kickoff, which again, my church, at least as far as I can tell, doesn't really do that. Again, it's not, our church is not centered around any other activities apart from what is what is set before us in terms of God. That's how our holidays work. That's how our celebrations, that ha- that's how our attention works. It We do not we do not um, fuse together within our worship uh, football season or pumpkin spice lattes or any kind of commercial, uh, I guess, sell. And that's, I mean, you know, if I I were to kind of, uh, you know, go further with my critique of Mosaic, it, it's it's kind of everything that I see about things that really breaks my heart, honestly, because I think that I think that it it sells a lot. It buys into the hype. It it creates this shiny shiny exterior so that people will will drink of whatever they're serving, and and it's. It's kind of vile to me because I see it so much. And, you know, it reminds me of if you've seen um, the OG Indiana Jones film and the one where they were um, trying to find the cup, the cup of eternal life. And um, when they show up, they have to go through certain spiritual trials in order to access the cup of the covenant and um it requires immense faith and there's like a whole nazi tie-in it's pretty intense um the the old indiana jones are good the the most recent ones have been pretty trash um and look you can really only go so far beyond three movies centered around the same characters and kind of concept and i i think after that it really loses steam uh, and becomes kind of 
I don't know. But certainly can't hold my interest or my my want to go get more. Um, I'll I'll admit. But within that, there's a there's this blonde who, uh, very beautiful, be- very beautiful woman, and um, she she comes out as a spoiler, by the way, like you're about to hear a spoiler if you haven't seen this movie. But she basically is revealed to be a secret Nazi uh, sympathizer. And she is asked to, as like, I think, I guess a historian, um, because I think that that was her expertise in the whole thing. And the reason why she was involved in this, she was kind of like a, you know, like an expert within that, that field. And um, she picks out this cup that's like, gold and chalice and it's all like beautifully ornate and kind of has a look of like royalty and and she's she's presenting it to this Nazi who is about to drink of it and through access to this cup and drinking out of this cup he accesses eternal life I mean of course, it's not known that you can't access eternal life forever without an ultimate sacrifice, which is illustrated by the um, knight, knight Templar that actually guarded the cup. So she picks for this guy. And this should teach you a big lesson. Dude, don't ever fucking trust somebody who says they're an expert in something and drink after their choice. You know, make your own fucking choice. You know, like... If you're going to drink from a cup that could either give you life or give you death, make your own fucking choice. You know, that's a big, that's a big life lesson. That's a big, like, thematic kind of thing that we all went through with COVID. Like, don't let somebody else make your choice for you. It, it, it gives you no solace to be the type of person who even survives something and can point the finger at somebody else and say, they made me do it. (laughs) That's empowering to you. No, no, nobody made you do it. You made a choice and you live or you die with it. And if you die with it, honestly, you, you might even get off better than living with it because living with it means that you're going to probably have to you're going to have to keep learning and the extent of that knowledge and learning might actually be pretty awful. So choose well. (laughs) So he drinks of this, this chalice that she picks out for him. And it's, you know, at first you think like there's all this music. I love, I love those old films. They were very good with their musical choices that just kind of put you into the film. And, of course, she chose wrong. And and the guy, like, fucking dies, like, brutally screaming the whole thing. It's like the life force was literally, like, sucked out of him. And he was, like, instantly brought to bone and ash. And, like, you saw what happened to him as if he were just instantly put into a grave and aged, like, a hundred years. So... That's, that's kind of what I, I felt at Mosaic. And then, you know, if you continue to watch the movie, 
um, Indiana Jones, of course, being an archaeologist and being somebody who who is spiritually convicted and knows the real history of things and doesn't aggrandize it or need it to be something flashy. He is interested in what is real. He is interested in the truth. So the truth would imply that the cup of a carpenter would not be something fancy or showy. It would be something wildly, uh, you know, just basic. It would be a basic cup. And he finds pretty much the most basic cup he can find. And you, you can see after he just witnessed what happens if you choose wrong, the just unbelievable amount of like, whoa, about what he's about to do. Because he himself, he doesn't ask anybody else to pay for this choice that he's making. He's, he's willing to, to drink of this cup himself with his own choice. And after he drinks... The Templar Knight says, you chose wisely. And so that's, that's my take home of, of Mosaic. And, but, but I don't, I don't want to be a bad Christian. I want to be a great Christian. And the reason why I went was to be a great Christian and to be in pursuit of this idea that the church actually spoke about. And the church was actually, I think, trying to, uh, mosaic meaning, uh, bring to itself, which was the sense of community. They really, really, really want to bring Christ into people's lives. And when I stuck around for the second service, I think I was able to really feel that and hear that and enjoy it more. I will say that um, you know, like I said, that it was a very bombastic kind of church. Um, it was like going to a concert. And I'll admit this for my personal preference, too. I, um, I, I like my mornings to be a lot more quiet. I am not a person who likes a lot in the morning. I like to, I mean, I might be able to mentally take on a lot, like, because I'm pretty mentally fresh after I wake up. Um, and I can do a lot in the morning. Like, it's my preferred time to work out. It's my preferred time to, like, scroll my notifications and see what's new for the day or what's going to happen for the day and check in with my schedule. But it's very meditative, um, very actively meditative. But there's not noise. I don't rush to put on music. If I put on something, it would only be to help me get through the activity that I'm aiming to do. Um, but it otherwise, it's it's pretty like slow going and very like I, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna I'm gonna get into my rhythm here. And so to show up at a church where I had no baseline for what to expect or what, what was going to happen. And, and all of it was new to me in every kind of way. Um, you know, the only people that I knew there was George and his wife. I didn't even know his family. I got introduced to his whole family and her whole family as a result of going. So I, you know, it was all pretty new. And then at nine thirty AM, 
having this, what was basically a concert. It was basically a musical concert uh, performed in front of me was a lot. And, and I, I am also like, um, just in the background, my, you know, it's a, it's a bit brief tangent, but it's something that will let you guys know a little bit more about me, which of course, you know, diary entry, personal entry, I guess that's the point. Um, my cousin hit me up today. He's in a great, great cover band. Um, they're actually phenomenal. And I've talked about them before on the podcast. If ever you're in the Maryland area and you love like 90s music and you want to see a really good cover band and it's your jam, totally stoked. Uh, my cousin Eric and my cousin Ryan are both in it. And also one of my great tattoo clients, Mel, is the the bassist. So I... I have a family ban uh, and he hit me up today and he was like, Hey, uh, would you be interested in going to the show? And I looked at it and it was, I was, it was possible for me to go. It's about a month, a month and some change away. And um, it's November 4th, by the way, it looks pretty interesting. This is like a a side plug. Um, If November 4th, uh, you're available and and in the Maryland area. Let me look at the actual poster so I can be informative as I'm doing this. But um, if you're in that area and you really want to see an 80s versus 90s jam session, um, you and you're in, let's see, where is it? Um, it'll be 80s versus 90s flashback, the new romance uh, and totally stoked. And then... Um, Where is it? It will be uh, DJ Marsh, The Reacher, Saturday, November 4th. I don't know where it is. Um, Yeah. I guess I'll just continue with my uh, segue here and let you guys know what the uh, what the point is that I'm getting to. My my cousin contacted me and he was like, would you be interested in uh, in the show? And uh, I, I obviously I. I didn't know what his question implied. Um, you know, I I think it's very, very, very quick for us to just immediately answer something affirmative or something. But I'm I'm not about doing that anymore. I think I'm I think I'm getting pretty annoying for people. Honestly, I just I can't I can't answer questions like that so simply. I know I probably could never do it. I remember Paul, Paul Natale, he used to get so frustrated with me because he would ask me these, these questions. Uh, he's another great tattoo artist, by the way, everybody, um, in the, in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Uh, he works at Have Fun, Be Lucky, beautiful black work. Um, but you know, just for shits and giggles, he would, he would ask me these scenario questions that just demanded, at least in my heart and mind, a lot more scrutiny before I could answer. And uh, you see, always hate it that I could never just answer his fucking questions. He's like, why do you have to like complicate it? And why do I have to? I was like, because I can't just give you a yes or a no. He's like, but it's a yes or a no question. And I was like, it's not that simple. And he's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, not for me, it isn't. So I guess I've always been this annoying, but I'm, I'm like on, I'm like on another level today. Um, and it's so funny. My reply to him was at 111. I'm going to read, read you my reply just so that you can understand what I'm talking about. So that's what my cousin asked me about 
going to a show. And I said, in reply, I am available. I like the posters. I don't know what you mean by interested, quote unquote. I love the family. And when it comes to my motivations, I can tell you that is the selling point always in terms of me personally. As for music, I'm one of those odd people who prefers books on tape or a podcast. As for my preferred way of experiencing music, I can only admit to liking it live if at a festival with much room or in a controlled concert hall where everybody knows how to act. And then I put like that stressed out face like e. <laughs> because I do guys, I have a lot of social anxiety when it comes to that kind of venue. But I'll keep reading because I'm not done. I said, I'm not a big fan. Oh, I'm not a big go out to shows type. I forced myself. I forced myself when younger, mostly because it was a way to hang out with friends of mine who are the type to go to shows. I'm sorry to give a, a dissertation here, but it was a broad question that I wanted to be sure to answer in its entirety. Follow up. Is this a show you'd like me to show up for because it's a big exhibition and it would be good for the band for me to do so? If so, I would and could attend. My cousin has yet to get back to me. Because I know he's probably like, the fuck is this shit? Like, sorry for all the cussing too, by the way, guys. Like, I've really not been able to conquer that goal of mine. I I really do like cussing. And I really don't think that this is a podcast for kids. Like, that was kind of my aim before was, like, to be a little bit more ginger with it. But I think, I think earnestly, you have to be the type of person that if you're truly in the pursuit of truth and getting to the truth and suffering the kind of things necessary in order to learn about people and truly, truly... Uh, walk the path of somebody who aims to to ultimately know and you know uh, just just hunt for information you're you're going to have to palette a lot of things you're not really interested in um so so I'm sure my cousin is like what the hell is this but to get back to my point I'm not a big I'm not a big show goer even if it's even if it's my family, like I love that when I show up to family gatherings that there's a lot of musicians in my family and that that's a feature of the gatherings that we have. Like I've even gone to funerals where people show up with their their musical equipment and instruments and we all kind of jam together. And it's very nice, you know, to to have a family that's centered around that as a tradition. But as far as like the the kind of show that I know my cousin is performing at, that's not my venue. And even if it was any kind of concert, kind of stadium situation, I'm not really about it unless it's like old people music. Unless everybody's like, like content with sitting in their fucking chair that they paid for, not getting crazy, not drinking too much, not bashing into people's spaces and running around like morons. Like, I can't handle it. 
that's not how Mosaic was, by the way. It was a really, really, really good musical performance. The The musicians were incredible. People did did stay where they chose to sit. They were standing for the first part of it. So, it was, you know, it's kind of like, wow, I got to stand already. Um, which there's a lot of sit stand in my church. And we definitely are asked to stand when we all partake of the hymns. Um, there is a band kind of set up in the, in the front of our church, but it's not epic. Like there's, there's very mild, uh, audio equipment and you can tell there's, (laughs) there's very off the cuff, mild, uh, practice for what's about to be performed too. Like nobody, everybody's kind of riffing off of each other at my church and it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I enjoy it. We're, we're definitely not polished, but this was mosaic was polished and it was super stadium esque. I mean, beautiful setup. I mean, it was, it was like a theater that I was in and it was set out to be that way. And it was, um, it was a bit overwhelming. I, I attempted to do some math about the section that I was in, in regards to how many people were there and just in my section. Now, not every seat was full. So understand that much. I was just doing like a seat count per row and how many rows, and then I was multiplying it. So it was probably less than what I even equivocated to, but try to picture a theater where there's three sections, a middle section, a right section, a left section section on the base, on the ground level of this room, this theater room. And then there's there's like stadium seating above you that you have to walk upstairs in order to get to. And there's a middle right and left section there. I was on the middle ground section and that's what I counted. So I'm only accounting for a sixth of this place, of this, of this potential seating. And from what I counted, it was about 140 plus seats available just in my section. And it was a pretty packed room for both services. So, you know, do the math when it comes to that. That was a lot of people that attended this church uh, this past Sunday. So, you know, I was, I, I, I was like, <laughs> I was kind of out of my like depth a little bit with like just how many people were there, how loud I saw upon walking into this auditorium space, earplugs. Like they were giving away earplugs and I was like, holy crap, am I going to need earplugs? In truth, honestly, like I, I, I probably would have been more comfortable with how things sounded had I had earplugs in. It wasn't to the level where I felt like I needed earplugs. But my God, dude, if you went into that place with with hearing aids on, holy I don't even know what you'd experience, but it would have to be pretty arresting. I don't know. I don't know. It would definitely like, hey, if you have hearing aids, you might want to wanna understand how loud it's going to get in here or sit in the back. I don't know. But I, I, I sat up front because I wanted to I wanted to enjoy my friend George. He was playing the drums and I also sat in the middle because that's the best way to get the audio. Um, 
you know, the expert that I am now, having had a podcast for a few years and having dated an audio engineer. So yeah, I I had my motivations for sitting where I did, um, but I, it was it was just so much, so much that I was like, wow, you know, like, this is a lot to take in. So and at nine thirty a.m., wow, okay. So I I. <laughs> It was kind of, it was kind of a lot. And I, you know, by the second service, I was kind of more awake. I had had a cup of coffee in me, which they did give away free coffee, which was really cool. My, my church does that too. Um, uh, coffee is kind of an essential. If you're going to ask anybody to show up super early in the morning, you, you might want to make sure that they've had a cup of coffee. Um, and it's, and it's a cheap enough thing to offer people as an incentive to attend church, you know, a free cup of coffee is, it's pretty legit, you know? I mean, given the fact that people spend like upwards of like five plus dollars for a cup of coffee when they're buying it, to offer a free cup of coffee, that's a pretty good incentive thing. But that's not all this church was giving away. They were giving away a free shirt. I got a free shirt. It's a really nice free shirt. Um, I got, I got, um, they were giving away koozies. I did not take a koozie, um, because I'm not a big drinker and I felt like that was in the spirit of the whole tailgating, uh, sports thing and, and drinking thing. And again, like I'm not, I'm just not a big drinker. And I also, when I do drink things, I try to drink them out of things that stay cool on their own rather than having to put the, I have so many koozies guys that I never use because I don't drink out of a can very often. I did last night cause we got free crabs and I chose to have a couple beers, which never happens nowadays because I'm fairly convinced that gluten isn't good for my system. I'm kind of paying for it today to be honest, but, um, yeah, it was nice, you know, and as a Marylander with crabs, like, there's just, there's no better thing to drink than, like, a cold beer. I mean, it's just really nice. It was a blue moon, too, and it is one of my favorite beers, like a nice Belgian white. Anyway, I digress. Um, you know, so a lot of things, you know, in, in relationship to this church that was different, but once I finally got the message and I started convicting myself of what the take home was. Um, and, and also a a happy thing to investigate a part of the Bible that we haven't in my own church looked too much into yet. And I haven't gotten into with my own reading of the Bible. Luke didn't realize that, um, within Luke, if you continue reading past, um, continue past reading, uh, the good Samaritan bit, it's followed by the traditional prayer. Our Father that art in heaven, Howard, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That one, that's right after that story. So that was a happy finding. I was like, oh, sh-, you know, I probably shouldn't cuss there. Oh, shoot. That's where it is. Uh, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, this discovery of where things are. So I, I was kind of getting into uh, my regular flow of, of investigating the Bible, the word, the message, all of that, once it got to the second service. And I was a little more kind of 
aware of what would go on. I also was able to actually make contact with George and his family after the first, the first, um, service because I ran into them afterwards. They, they went from one service to the next, his wife and him were both kind of working the first service. So they were engaged, but after the first service, um, they were able to actually, well, George wasn't, he was playing drums the whole time. So he was there, but his wife was able to actually, you know, attend the service after she did her bit for the morning half. So it was nice. And I had people there that I could sit with and that I could actually, um, you know, experience everything. And George and his family, like I said in, in the beginning, are absolutely lovely. So I can't take a single thing away from them. Every single person that I ran into was lovely. Very, very sweet. Um, I brought brats. I didn't know what to do with them because they were, they were giving away so much free. It was, it was very different. Um, I have to imagine that because this was maybe a call to invite people to the church that didn't otherwise attend, this was kind of a, um, like I said, a fall kickoff kind of thing where it was more of a celebration and party kind of event. They had, they had, um, it was very tailgate-ish, you know, they had grilling out there. I saw all this. I like looked up what was happening on their website because they announced it, but I didn't know what it would look like. And, you know, they were giving away free hot dogs and, um, but, you know, just some little free stuff for people to eat while they were there. You know, I'm, I'm coming from my church. We always have fellowship and everybody that attends the church tries to bring something food wise to contribute, you know, and then we all kind of sit down and eat it. And, um, so I kind of was following that whole vein when I brought the brats. Um, so I just went up to these people. I, I got to meet a lot of people because, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And also because I'm a ditz and, and managed to lose my phone while I was there too. So there was a whole rehashing of everywhere I had traveled within this church, uh, while I was there in, in pursuit of finding my phone, uh, Nikki, uh, George's wife actually helped me find my phone. So that was a fun adventure, um, for everybody. But yeah, I, there was no collection taken, uh, which I think, you know, puts some people off to churches. It doesn't to me because, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, like, uh, if this isn't a normal attendance of this church, like how much, like they have to take, they have to take tithings regularly. They have to pass a collection plate around regularly in order to afford this Mecca place. I mean, it was more pristine than like places that I've seen actually uh, host entertainment setting. You know what I mean? Like, like, like stadiums weren't clean like this. They weren't as posh as this. Like the lighting, the everything, the audio equipment, everything looked brand freaking new and so well managed. And there was crews of people that I'm sure volunteered to work at the church, but like, you know, just my, I guess my critical or my business mind or my, my behind the scenes person just kind of the mind goes like, what does it take to do this? You know, like put this on, this is pretty epic. I know how hard the people at my church work to submit themselves regularly to our worship. 
I can't imagine the kind of coordinated effort it takes to put something like this on. <laughs> so that that's where my heart was going. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, I, I, it took me a while to get to my own examining myself. But when I examine myself, I want, I want people to know that I felt really good about being the kind of person that I am. Because if I look at how I have treated life in the past and treated people in the past, I've always been that good Samaritan kind of person. I've always been that unexpected kind of energy that when people have, I think, distance from when they come back to, they're like, wow, I forgot what this felt like. And this is kind of good. And I don't, I'm not trying to blow smoke up somebody's butt here. Like I, I really do. I do really upon reflection about my own nature and character really try to always share you know the drugs that I like to do or have done they're always about sharing and community and communal kind of efforts I've always just wanted to do cool stuff with cool people I've always taken that risk to to know people to to ask the kind of questions necessary in order to get to a full understanding of what people are and what's going on always you know, I, I, I just always have done that with the sincere want to truly connect, which honestly, I think is the the godsend in it, because I think that despite all failing and despite all changing and the roller coaster ride that it is to kind of listen to me or or track my life and, and the, the level of change that it has become and you're like, whoa, like how? The, the stability of it is that I've always been a person that has sought good things and sought, you know, love and purity and um, ethics, justice, those kind of things. So, <coughs> excuse me, I think with that kind of, that kind of uh, mission... It's kept, it's kept the heart of it very pure. <coughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I might just cut these things out or I'm definitely going to mute the audio of them a little bit. I don't know what crawled in my throat for there for a second, but it's getting weird. Go on Instagram and subscribe to Oddball Rifle Club if you're interested in muzzleloading rifles and black powder firearms. Oh, okay. Um, I'm back. I, I had to take that moment just to take a, a swig of a drink because I don't know. I just, my throat was getting all gummed up and to save you guys the, the need to hear my, uh, my, my, my drinking and stuff like that. I thought I'd, I'd pause there for a second. So I'm back, I'm back. Um, I'm also plugging in my computer cause I just realized that I don't have much juice left and I might actually lose you guys. All right, so getting back on topic, pardon that brief moment. I wanted to share with you guys something else that happened to me. Well, it didn't happen to me. It was it was something that in general uh, took place on Facebook, which, again, uh, the whole reason why I went to Mosaic was because I put out a post on Facebook 
Lots of people responded. George responded. It sent me on a path to go experience another church. But in the background, something else kind of hit my my knowledge or my understanding of things. And uh, I saw this post that was made on one of the groups that I'm actually a part of. And um, I thought I would just, sh- just share it with you guys because I feel like... Uh, I feel like it's worth sharing. I'm not going to uh, call out the person it involves because I don't know her. And we're kind of actively in an engagement right now where I don't feel like that's a good good idea to share her information like that. Um, uh, but I think that the, the nature of this is, you know, educational and why not? So on Facebook, I, I belong to a, uh, a group. I belong to a lot of groups like this, but it's called Parental Alliance for Safer Schools. And uh, it's for Baltimore County Public Schools, and the, the acronym is PASS. So um, on this, this group setting, there was a post shared, uh, and it read like this, and I don't feel bad about sharing this um, as I'm not going to share her name. Hi everyone. I was just admitted to this group and I am currently a journalist. It doesn't say uh. It says I am a current journalist student at Towson focusing on the improvement and state issues regarding public school Baltimore public schools. I am currently working on an article regarding the teaching of media literacy and how it could benefit the students of Baltimore. If you have any input, opinion, would like to be interviewed, or anything at all regarding the topic, please direct message me. I'd love to hear from you. So this this probed me because... <laughs> Like, my spidey sense goes up whenever I hear journalist student uh, or journalist, period. Anything media-oriented, I'm just like, what the hell is this mess? So I, I, of course, had to write this woman. It is a woman. I can admit to that. Um, And um, so I'm going to share with you our dialogue. Because I did direct message her. And... I feel like it's worth noting and putting out on the podcast because I was very motivated to to write this to her, um, just as motivated as I am to actually be a part of the group that I discovered her in in this post. So this is what I I wrote to her. I wrote, I saw your post within the group about safeguarding Maryland schools. I'll be honest, I had to look up the term media literacy. It appears that it simply means to have critical thinking skills. If I can be a bit intrusive, why do you want to be a journalist? Is it a dream job or simply an avenue you hope will lead you to other opportunities? I ask this because I simply can't understand wanting to be a journalist without a sincere and biting hunger for the truth which would mean that critical thinking is baked into the being. In my time, and I'm only 42, 
the news could be relied on for being relatively dry and based in a hunt for the story, quote unquote, which kept journalists and companies who reported the news checked and accountable. It seemed a much heavier cost to someone's career if they got a story wrong or ran it before enough information was gathered. It felt like law enforcement and those in media sought the same sense of justice, even though they still kind of resented each other's part to play. When I heard about something as a kid, I got a sense that those who were tasked with finding the criminals and hunting the, the story, quote unquote, were on the side of the public and doing what we all could agree was the right thing to do. There was a sense that I was protected and didn't need to worry because the adults were handling it. I saw all this as a person who doesn't, I, I say all this rather, as a person who doesn't have children. I'm in the group. I found your post in, in, in uh, parentheses. <clears throat> As a person who has extreme compassion for parents and the children who have to grow up in this world of conflicting stories, ideologies, media that doesn't care about truth, facts, etc., fucking people who want to normalize the term MAPS, which, by the way, to break down the acronym for you guys listening, is Minor Attracted Persons, uh, just so y'all know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a clinical name for pedophile. <laughs> I'll go on reading for heaven's sake, maps for heaven's sake, growing up in stranger danger land myself. It's beyond all logic and critical thinking to consider pedophiles, which by the way, won't even auto spell for a person. The word pedophile won't even autospell for a person now on any digital device speaking of media literacy quote-unquote and the truth of what cultural attitudes are being sculpted right now they're painting people who are maps as victims and it's pure insanity you ask the question would kids benefit from media literacy as an artist i can say that they would benefit from literacy period from reading actual books and especially classics that instilled a moral compass. As a Christian, I think kids need more God in their life. And a study of the Bible would be amazing, but a far cry from happening. I think they also need to know the value of putting their hands to a task in what service, quote unquote, does for the soul. I grew up secular, but with a very generalized notion of God. I experienced others' churches and religions but what was really a conviction of my home was truth and accountability. That is what all of us need more of. I don't think articles should be written for news outlets simply to keep driving up frenzies or selling a media company. I think that burden of critical thinking, quote unquote, lands on the professionals, not children who should be able to be children, grow up with a strong foundation in moral accountability, responsibility, respect for family, and with a sense that, like myself, they don't have to worry about society, that they are being protected. For parents, they should be able to focus on providing and instilling all those values listed above to their children without having to worry about the school, media, etc., trying to subvert their children's attention away with an aim to abuse or manipulate or influence in a way that lacks cohesion with the parents. It's too much and it's too much for me at 42 
having lived long enough to compare timelines. Quite frankly, all of this brought me to God. The chaos and the crazy meant that only ration, the only rational choice was to go beyond what's here on earth. The only good, quote unquote, I can see at the end of what our media, quote unquote, has produced. Praise God for myself, but with suicide ever on the rise, I don't think it's, it's produced or has been producing media is what I'm talking about that media has produced or is producing the same result in others. I see all faith dying for your profession. Truly. I know I can't count on any of it. And quite frankly, it's dangerous to be a journalist who sincerely seeks truth these days. From what I've seen, it could cost you your life. If you dare push back at the preferred order, you're young and so hopeful. I know you're hungry to get into this life and I have and have impact. I was there and my heart still hopes, so I understand. However, if I can give you advice, I'd become a writer. Perhaps before that, become an editor, someone who's charged with experiencing others enough to get a wide perspective. For myself, it's being a tattoo artist. I get to meet with 18 to 83-year-olds, my oldest client being 83 and share in their deep-rooted stories. Before that, I cut hair, and that's about the same. Have a life of service that goes beyond yourself and think hard about what not only you crave, but potentially the world at large. Write and report from a place you know is convicted by a moral compass that very well might claim your life, but be worth the risk. I felt compelled to write you. Feel free to use any of it. My name is Amy C. Nichols, and again, I'm a tattoo artist by trade and only have compassion uh, for parents and children. I do it all for the glory of God. Let me know if you need any other information. She simply wrote back, I appreciate your input. Would you mind if I possibly include some of your statements in the piece I'm writing? And I wrote back, would you mind if I saw the context of how you used my words before you submitted them? If you're willing to let me read how I'm utilized, quote unquote, then give my consent if not, I hope my words have helped you formulate your own understandings and will aid you in crafting your work. If not, I would like you to be held solely accountable for what you say. Um, mostly that's just my distrust. I know I said I could, she could use whatever I wrote, but I don't want it to be taken out of context. You know, like I, that's, that's a big thing with journalists. Like they love to splice what you say and use it however they like. I mean, the Bible is a huge thing like that. People cherry pick the Bible all the time. I'm learning and I, I used to do it too. So I'm not unguilty of it, but you know, here's a person who I don't know and who I wrote and I want to make sure that she's, you know, going to stand up for her side of things. And I ask enough questions to exercise what I have actually come to understand is media literacy. Um, which is, you know, do a lot of, do a lot of background checking before you agree to let somebody overly use what you, what you write. She wrote a course. If I quote you, then I'll send over the section for your approval, which means the section, just the section. I, I'm like, okay. And she didn't answer any of my, my first questions. Like, why do you want to be a journalist? Any of the stuff she's very like, 
brief in her in her things, which is why I'm reading this to you guys, because I kind of want to have this go out about me. And I want this to be published first before anything is said about me as just kind of a backup to have a timeline, a digital print of what's said and not said. And, uh, you know, some accountability, because like I said, back in the day, when it came down to media and when it came down to what was said and what was done and how people acted, there was accountability. And there was some actual reverence for what was true. And that's because you can't actually think critically until you have a baseline and an understanding at large of what is true, what is facts. 2 plus 2 equals 4. It cannot equal anything but that. You cannot base that on anything but a a very, very cohesive understanding of what 2 is and what 2 plus 2 is and understanding that it cannot be anything but 4. You know, hard truths. That's why people love math. It's because it's it's factual and you you can... track it to a lot of things and it gives you a baseline of understanding of things so I put a a thumbs up and I said awesome how much notice will I get before it needs to be turned in and if I don't approve what will be my assurances will you admit if I don't approve will I be given time to commit will I or will all continue to move forward beyond my commit on my comment that's what I meant to say Let me read this again. Uh, Basically, will you admit if I don't approve? Will I be given time to comment? Or will all continue to move forward beyond my comment? And then after my additions, uh, it requires people to read additional information. I ask because of what I understand of your professional study. And I believe scrutiny should happen on the front end of any, any exchange so as to ensure a trustful relationship ahead. It's a serious matter to use someone else's words, just as it's serious to use others' art, etc. I don't know you, so I hope you can appreciate my hesitancy. Imagine what, as a tattoo artist, things would be like if I didn't make certain I understood fully the boundaries of my clients and made certain they knew my part of the situation. Which leads me to why I'm sharing this, because she didn't write anything else. And we were having a steady back and forth before that. And I, I, she's probably just exacerbated about how much I'm making this difficult for her. But here, that's the thing, right? This whole tables thing. This idea of doing what's hard and having difficult conversations about topics with people who might not not in the beginning seem to align with you doing God's work basically and and hoping to unite people under a common cause you know because that's that's the aim of the whole tables project at Mosaic and that's the aim that Christ had when he took it amongst himself to meet with people over food at a table and have discussions um It requires you asking a lot of hard questions. It requires you doing the work necessary to be clear. And uh, it's a huge investment. 
And there is risk involved because at the end of it, it, it might feel like wasted time and energy. It might feel, it might actually claim your life. It might actually be the thing that gets you murdered if you say the wrong thing or, you know, you're with somebody who doesn't know how to handle themselves. There's, there's lots at stake, honestly. But the reward can be so much more. And that's the point, right? Like it's, it's risky to do the right thing. And it's, it's risky to be the type of person who, you know, I get, I guess goes out of their way. Um, and it's hard. It's not easy. And I, I guess, uh, as far as all of this is concerned to wrap it up, I'm very happy to report that I have always been the type of person that is willing obviously, to have the kind of conversations that are difficult, to convict my own self, to hold my own self accountable, to um, hold others accountable for what they do. Uh, it takes me a while. It takes me a while to to hold them accountable of what they do because uh, you have to, you have to actually experience it for a while, right? Like that's the risk. Spending enough time with somebody to get a clear picture and and weigh what you initially feel uh, towards what actually is happening and really kind of abstractly look at something. So I always try to do that. I always try to be fair. I always try to convict my own self, look at what other people have done and be very real about it and then determine whether or not it's something that I will continue to do, whether it's worth the struggle. So at the final wrap-up of that, you know, this will be something that my listeners know before probably anybody else, but I, I probably won't ever go back to Mosaic. Uh, it's a nice church, and if when you were listening to this, you were like, man, that sounds like the church for me. Pumpkin spice lattes and and awesome, beautiful music that is so well choreographed and it's the pre-fight hype that I need for my Sunday day and it sounds awesome and great music and you know good people and you know it's clean it's whatever and you know they, they're sports people you know like all of that like if that is that your jam that's cool uh, I won't be going back I, you know I, I didn't mean to like I did mean I mean I gave my honest review uh, I casted shade but you know I, I'm not trying to tell people what to do I'm just trying to communicate my heart, as as always. Um, I won't be going back. Uh, I will try to make time for my friends, uh, Nikki and George and their family, because that is what brought me there, uh, was that. And the post that I made about just being kind of flabbergasted about people who do not believe in God. And I guess being so convicted about my faith in God to broach the topic and take the added interest and time to go to a place that I had no wherewithal of knowing about and, and, and check it out and risk that time and that, that, you know, all of it, you know, I had to, I had to park not going to my church, which I love. And that I find a lot of comfort in and a lot of enrichment in 
and not go and and go to this whole other church I, I feel like I walked away with some really great things, but also a, a, a more determined uh, love and want to attend my own church. So I guess that's a good time to end things for you guys. I, I've given you a lot to listen to. This will now be like almost an hour and a half podcast or no more than an hour and a half podcast with everything put together. So I wish you all a very blessed week. I, um, I hope that you'll ask all the questions and um, just get clear with the choices that you make and uh, own them. Own them and be very happy in reflection that you made the choice that you did. Make sure that it is a choice that is wise. I love you listeners. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.